welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Um, I'm going to share a message this morning, of course. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Uh, particularly to my own mom and Cassidy out there this morning. Looking forward to having you for dinner today, mom. And uh, I want to share a message called A Testimony to Moms today. But before that, I've asked Andy to come up because we're going to pray for the moms first. We're going to pray for every mom. And uh, there's a few moms here that are helping us put service together. You can stand where you are, moms. We're going to pray for any mom that's even here on the team just to stand and at home. Will you stand as well? And maybe husbands and children or anyone with you just lay your hands upon your mom just right there and let's pray and just ask God to confer a mighty blessing upon them and to keep them and uphold them and bless them in Jesus' name. Andy, will you pray for our mothers? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you even for the mothers, oh God. We yes, thank you Lord. for the year that's gone thank by you, and all Jesus. that you've done before. God, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray, Lord, even for the year that yes, lay ahead. Lord. God, we pray for our mothers, oh God. Yes, we pray Lord. for our expectant mothers. We pray for our not yes, yet, Lord. our not yet mothers, oh God. Those who are waiting upon you, I pray, Lord, let this be a year yes, of victory. Father. I pray in the name of Jesus, let yes, this be Lord. a year, oh God, in which they will see answer to prayer, oh God, where Hallelujah. they will see their children Hallelujah. serving you, oh God, where they will see many prodigals returning in the Hallelujah. name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh God, they ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, let your presence continue Praise to be you, with Lord. our mothers, I pray, yes, oh God. Jesus. Guide them, I pray. Direct them, I pray, yes, oh God. Lord. Be there all in all. Hallelujah. Let this be a year of greater intimacy intimacy with you, hallelujah, I pray in the wonderful hallelujah. name of Jesus, that Lord in time, oh God, that we'll be able to boast of them and say, not just that they are great people, but there's a great God yes. that is keeping them and is sustaining hallelujah. them and yes. is holding them, oh God, cause yes. them to have victory, cause them to triumph, and give them a wonderful day, we pray in Jesus', in Jesus wonderful name. name. Amen. 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 God, God bless you, bless you, God bless you. Thank you, Brother Andy. Uh, let me give you some quotes uh, on behalf of moms this morning before we come to the Word of God. One mom is allegedly have said, if you aren't yelling at your kids, then you're not spending enough time with them. Another mom has once said, I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. Then when I get old, I want to move in with them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Another mom once said, silence is golden. Unless you have kids, then it's suspicious. <laughs> On behalf of children towards mothers, a mother is always the one you can call to see how long chicken lasts in the fridge. Amen. <laughs> they know everything. Some days I wake up and think, how on earth did I become this much like my mother? Amen. And someone else said, sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out. <laughs> Moms, you have a, a huge impact on our lives. Finally, let me say something. It's not easy being a mom. If it were easy, fathers would do it. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just want to say how endearing you are to us. What a gift that we have in moms. As Christians, we esteem our moms and the women in the body of Christ, our friends, our sisters, and our dearly beloved Christian colleagues that work together and labor with us all to work for the glorious kingdom of God. Amen. And so I want to turn to a familiar passage to those who are Bible readers. And those who are not Bible readers, I encourage you to become a Bible reader because this is the truth. God has given you a manual for life. 
I worked for many years for a famous company called Canon. I was a, a lead technician with them. And we used to have a saying that we would say to every customer, when all else fails, consult your manufacturer's handbook. Amen. When things are going wrong in your life, this is the manufacturer's handbook. Amen. And he's got a lot to say to you. And so if you're not a Bible reader, I want to encourage you. We can help you to read the Bible. Not that we can read for you, but we can help you how to read through it. We can disciple you as churches. So if you're out there this morning, say, listen, I need to get into this book called the Bible, but I'm not really academic and I'm not really a great reader. How do I do it? Reach out on Facebook. Reach out and send us a message. We'll put you on a Bible reading plan and help you on that journey. But this is a story right back in the Old Testament with the Bible. In 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a quite a long reading, but it is a fascinating story. It's a true event, true story, and uh, I want you to be blessed by it this morning. Father, as we come around your word, I do pray, God, this is not to venerate women, Lord, our moms, Lord, but this is to esteem, Lord, Lord, what you have done to these precious lives, oh God. And Lord, we know anything good that's in any of us comes from you, Lord, all goodness, Lord. What we attribute to the female characteristics, Lord, the good ones, are all you anyhow, Father. It's your goodness coming through men and women. But we thank you for these wonderful vessels, Lord, and this particular vessel that speaks to us all these thousands of years later. So I pray, God, as we come around this word, that you again speak to us one more time from this pulpit, Lord, that we will all be edified in the faith and that Christ will be honored and glorified. This is our heart's desire, Father. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Second uh, Kings chapter 4, reading from verse 8. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to the upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehizai, Tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehizai, Tell her, we appreciate, we appreciate the, the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word with the king or to the commander of the army? And she said, No, I have, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehizia, what can we do for her? And Gehizia replied, she has, she has no son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, and Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her a second time in the doorway, next year at this time you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, O man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day, when our child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working in the harvest. Suddenly, he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. And she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It's neither new moon festival nor the Sabbath. But she said, I'll be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. 
As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her at a distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you and your husband and your child? Yes, the woman said to Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him, caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, and the Lord has not told me why. Then she said to him, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elijah and told him the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead and they are lying in the prophet's bed. And he went in alone, he shut the door behind him and he prayed to the Lord. And he lay down in the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him and the, child, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once. Then stretched himself out again on the, chi- on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times <clears throat> and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi and called the mother and said, and when, the, and when she came in, Elisha said, Here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. And then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. An absolutely fascinating story. There's so much in this, friends. And uh, it, there's so much in this. This is, a, this is a remarkable woman. This is a remarkable woman. This is a wealthy woman by all accounts. So this is a wealthy uh, woman. Her husband is an older man. And she's observing. She's spiritual. She's after the things of God. You can see that from the storyline very quickly. She sees this traveling preacher comes to town and she invites him to dinner. She's struck by the message. But she doesn't just give herself to the message straight away. Now does she trust him straight away. I like that. She is a woman of discernment. You know, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is entering the kingdom. A lot of people just open their doors because someone says something on the God channel and starts sending them money and starts inviting them into their home. But she, over a period of time, she said, I've watched this man, she said to her husband, and he's a man of God. So she's a woman of wisdom. This is a wealthy, wise woman. She's a woman of discernment. She's discerning what God's doing. She's discerning, you know, what's of heaven and what's of the flesh. You know, unfortunately, some of those great gifts seem to be lost on, our, on us today, on all of us, that either, neither discernment nor wisdom is employed. What's replaced it is emotionalism, something that this woman wasn't driven by. She was not driven by emotionalism. She was driven by purpose. You said it this morning, to lose that purpose, to, to find purpose in life, and, and then to work for the glory of God and with that life, that short life that you and I have. And friends, it's short. I know some of you are watching, thinking that's okay, okay for you. You would have lived the most of your life. But you know, as I quoted from Psalm 34 last week, once I was a young man, now I'm an old man. But the reality is we can't get over how fast things change and how quickly we get to the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and further, and how quickly life evaporates around us. And yet this woman, she shows incredible generosity. You know, I like that, your friends. It seems to be something that's also lost to the community today. 
You know, we're all good at words of affirmation, but just a few actions should be accompany that as well. Amen. If we can all, oh, we're with you, we like you, we bless you. And yet this woman is self-sacrificing. She says to her husband, you know, you see him, I see him. This is a man of God. He sleeps in caves. There's no hotels back then, friends. You know, you're talking about under the nearest tree on a hammock that you probably brought with you. And they would go and minister and minister the, the, the truth and, and, and provoke people back to righteousness. And she saw this man, a humble man, and, and Elisha was a humble man. He's not one of those uh, prosperity preachers you see today looking for the five-star hotel and always looking for the bottom line. He never mentions money. He never looks around. He just comes, and you know what? A man's gift will make room for him. I want to say that to every preacher this morning. You don't need to be announcing your need. God knows your needs even before you ask. Amen. And yet he's laid up this woman who's a concerned, diligent, uh, you know, discerning woman. And she says to her husband, let's come on, let's invest some money into the message. Let's, let's put ourselves out. I know I could buy another Louis Vuitton handbag and I could go on another trip down to Samaria. Or maybe go, let's go to Tel Aviv for a weekend there. Oh no, the Galilee looks good. I saw the latest brochure. No, there was something in our hearts. Let's make an investment in the kingdom. Let's get a little room together so that this man, somehow we can be part of the journey of the gospel that's going to the nation. And so a very humble dwelling they built for this man of God. And the man of God is genuinely touched by the generosity. Do you know, generosity is a great spirit to have. It really is. You know, when you see generous people, they're never without. Actually, stingy people are always without. Have you noticed? Take a look. I'm not going to mention any names, <clears throat> but you know, you know people in your life that are generous, generous with their time, generous with their finances, generous with their resources. It always seems to be that God provides seed to the sower. Their cruise of oil never runs out. They're always pouring into other vessels, always pouring, always pouring, always giving out. And, and there's something about this generous spirit that touched that man, the heart of the man of God. It tells me that it wasn't common back then either. Generosity, friends, it's not something that's very widespread in the community, but it's something that we can learn and adopt and adopt into our lives as a way of living. And so he's touched by this woman, the woman of Shuman. The word Shuman means peaceful or restful. Some say it's a, it, it is the feminine version of Solomon. And so there's something very peaceful restful um, uh, about this woman. There's a rest upon people who stop striving for notoriety. There's a peace upon people that are not looking for the praises of men. She wasn't doing this to get back. She wasn't saying, well, let's, let's build a room for the man of God, and then God might give us a house five times bigger. Amen. There was something very pure about our life, something attaching to a vision of righteousness that she wanted to invest into the kingdom and to the things of God. So she's a wise woman, a discerning woman, a woman of means, a, a generous woman, and a woman of character. And so the prophet comes, he's blessed by her faith, he's blessed not by just her words, friends. Words can be cheap. Not always words can cost but words can't be cheap. He saw the actions of her and her husband, and he wants to reward her. He wants to do something. Can I help you in some way? And of course, she doesn't want anything back. That's the great thing about it. Isn't it awesome to have that purity in service? You know what? I'm going to let you do a little secret. We got men and women in here this morning to help put the service together. They don't get one penny. They don't even get 
petrol money to come in there, at great sacrifice to themselves, working jobs in college, sometimes doing college and a job, and family life on top of it, at great, and never come and say, listen, I'm not coming back next week unless I get this or I get that. There's something very, very wonderful when you see that, that characteristic. And this was a woman of great characteristics. This is a godly woman, friends. This is a God-touched woman. And so Elisha asked her, how can I bless you? And she, she, you know, come on, if it was you and me, it's nearly like the one wish from the genie, isn't it? Like, hold on a second. All right, let me, can I come back to you in an hour's time? Because if I only get one request, I, you know, I'm going to make it a good one. But she says, no, I don't want anything. And so the prophet's a little bit not confused. He still wants to bless her. It shows you the heart of God. Hallelujah. You can never outgive God. And the heart of God, of course, he calls her back. He hears that she's childless. And then he tells her, he prophesies to her, you know, this time next year, you're going to be holding your own baby. And of course, this is overwhelming because in the quiet of our heart, there's, there's always been a disappointment. There's always been something there that she's carried with great grace. This is a woman of great grace, friends. This is a woman of, of great nobility, great characteristics. She doesn't, she doesn't project her, her wants on other people. She doesn't project her failures upon those around her. She is quite in the quiet of our heart, carried it for years. The fact that when her and her husband died, that's the end of their family line. There's no more, there's nothing left, you know, to celebrate their memory even on earth or to carry their, their family name forward. And I'm sure in the quiet of our heart, it was a real sensitive area. And you know, God knows your needs, friends. He knows the areas of disappointment. He knows the areas that you have hidden quietly in your heart that you felt there was going to be no answer from heaven. And I want to tell you this morning, God loves you and there is an answer for you. Amen. And it's an answer that is going to see you through the hardest of times. And of course, he, he, Elijah summons her again and tells her the story and she's overwhelmed. But of course, the answer happens. The, the, the promises of God are yes and amen. When God says something to you, Christian, you, you can take it to the bank. I want to tell you, it's very hard today in this world to know where to put your money. It's very hard to know what to rely on, property, you know, currencies, who knows. They're on about resets, and God knows what's going to happen to the economy. We don't know, but we know that God's in control, amen. And so you can put your money in Bitcoin, or you can put your money. But I want to tell you, this woman put what she had into the kingdom, and God rewarded her and blessed her. And of course, this little boy is born to her. What joy! What joy when her firstborn... We were only reminiscing yesterday. My son was over, and uh, you know they're expecting their third baby. We don't know what it is yet. And we were just reminiscing, and I said, it's hard to believe it now, Nick, but you, were once, you once won a, won a competition for the most beautiful baby. <laughs> His wife killed me, of course. She's still beautiful. And, uh, <laughs> and we were reminiscing about our firstborn when he was born and the joy. And, and, and then, I'll be honest with you, it only, it only grew from there because you, you love them all their lives. I love my son Nick now as the day he was born. And then Nathan the same. Oh, my goodness me. And then jo Jordan and then Tristan and the joy. Patrick, you just had your first little boy. It's just, if God gives you more, it's a multiplication of the same feeling. You, you just, it's so, it's so enthralling. But in this storyline, there's a test of faith, friends, and life is not easy. It tells you that in every, even when you're walking with the Lord, you know, we, we had a, a scare on, on, on Friday, uh, a real scare. Uh, I got a phone call from Guatemala, 
And uh, my, uh, I tell you the story, I'll fit in hopefully. We got a call from my in-laws in Guatemala panicking. They said, have you heard what happened to Chelsea? That's my daughter-in-law. And they're in Geneva at the moment. I said, no, she said, we just got a phone call from Chelsea. Panicked, freaked out, saying that she's, in a, she's been in a car crash and she broke her nose and that she's been held in the courthouse because the guard, the police were saying that she was texting at the time and that the other person was far worse than her. And then the phone went dead. Her mom is panicked. Her mom is out of her mind. Then she gets another phone call within a couple of seconds saying, yes, uh, your, your daughter's here at the police, uh, at the courthouse. We need a $15,000 bond. Otherwise, she's not, we're not releasing her because she's suspect, suspected of texting and there's someone severely wounded. Now, I'm thinking it's my son. I'm, or it could be somebody else. So she's telling me this. Now, I'm also thinking it could be a scam immediately. And so I'm panicking. I said to her mom, I said, are you absolutely sure? She said, Pastor Nick, I know my daughter. I spoke to my daughter on the phone. Well, we're ringing, we're texting Jordan and Chelsea, we're texting, we're calling. No answers, neither phone, which is highly unusual. Uh, you know, some, one of their friends has an app that can tr tr trace when they've been last on the phone, on Facebook, or using social media. And uncharacteristically, it was nearly three hours since they were on. So then we're thinking, you know, if this is not a car, because we, we, we quickly discerned that this wasn't a car wreck, but then is it a kidnap? Well, thanks be to God, it was a scam at the end of the day. Our children turned up fine. There was no issue. But it just brought us back to how easy life could change, friends. I'm saying all that because it could well have been a tragedy. It could well have been a kidnap. It could well have been, uh, and I had to stop my car going home on that, on that road twice. I had to put my car in overwhelmed, not knowing was my son or my daughter-in-law, what, what was happening, crying out to God. Thank God it was a scam. You know, thank God all these things. But the thought hit me. It could have been. And what would you have done, Pastor? And this woman was the same way. Her son died. Now, some people say it was heat stroke. You know that he's out with the father in the heat of the day during harvest time. And you get bad heat stroke, it can kill you if you're severely dehydrated. So you, you get these people who do Bible forensics and talk about the different possibilities, knowing the region and the time, etc. They say it was most likely a severe dose of heat stroke. And here, here he is, the, the father is working. And, and, and uh, of course, he just says to the servant, oh, he's not feeling well, take him to his mother. The usual fob of a dad, you know, fob it off on the mom. Now, I want to say this to you fathers this morning, even though we're celebrating Mother's Day. How many of us fathers are so indifferent to the need of our children? Our children could be dying on the spiritual vine around us. And there's a fob them off on the mother. Not really understanding what's going on. You think just by putting food in the table, that's enough. I want to tell you, even the ungodly do that. It's more than just putting food in the table and paying bills to be a father, friends. It's giving a word from God, a life-giving word. And this man, there was a dereliction of duty here. There was a lack of sensitivity to what was going on in his own four walls. And of course, you know, he just fobs him off in a servant. Let's just fob our youth off in Patrick Dobbin, the youth pastor on a Friday night. Let's not really worry about their spiritual development or what's going socially on in their life. And then when it goes wrong, let's blame him. I hope I can hear an amen, Patrick, because that's how it plays out. A dereliction of duty. But the boy is brought by the servant and mom is cradling him. Thank God for moms that I haven't switched off to the most important thing in your life is your family. And to pray and to pray again and to nurture the life that God's given them. I tell you, it's more important than the church. 
I want the whole world to go to heaven, but not at the expense of my children. If there's a choice between mine and yours, then mine go first. And there's nothing wrong with that. That should be your cry as a mom and a dad. Your cry should be, it has to be mine first. It's false to want strangers before your children. There's something wrong with that, friends. Every man, every woman must fight and contend for their family. And there's something about women. There's something about that maternal instinct that God has given them. They talk about the story of the hen in the barn fire, how she will gather those chicks under her wings and the whole barn will burn down and they'll find that crusted poor old hen dead, but those chicks many times living alive under surviving because the instinct is to make sure that they're okay. And we want to bless moms everywhere that have kept this very sacred commission that God is not just biologically, but in the word of God placed upon you. We want to commend you as we would commend this woman of God. This woman and this mother, cradling, but the child dies. And I want to tell you, friends, she doesn't get on Facebook when the child dies. She doesn't get on to her mother-in-law. What useless man did I marry? She doesn't talk to her friends and gossip about the bad marriage and the bad, my big bad husband out in the field. No, friends, she blames him on the man of God's bed. It's her first step of faith. She says to her servant, he doesn't even know he's dead. Dad doesn't even know he's dead. How many dads are watching this morning? You don't know your children are dead. No concept that they're not dead before God. They're dead to the things of God. There are shells of people, even at 12 and 13 years of age, walking around, and yet moms are contending with this, and they know. And she lays this child on the man of God's bed. That's a step of faith. She says to the servant, go to ask my husband for a donkey. Doesn't even tell him what's happening. No time to gossip, no time to slander, no time for the blame game. I'm telling you friends, it's not a time for gossip, slandering or blame game. It's a time of going to God, amen, to use the faculty, to use the senses, to use the abilities that we have to go and storm heaven for the needs that are so prominent around us. And you know, he's still, he's still out threshing the weed and the field. And he says, why are you going? It's not even a Sabbath. It's not a, why are you looking for the man of God for? Why are you going to church again? Can you not just go on a Sunday? Why are you going in there on Wednesday night for a prayer meeting? Can you not just be like the rest of us Christians? You know, just keep it to Sunday only. Amen. And that'll show you something telling. I want to tell you that story transcends right into us today, friends. It transcends thousands of years and it goes into the fault lines of human behavior and weakness. But it says something of the goodness and the mercy and the power of God and of a woman that would not take no for an answer. A woman that would not lie down and say like the rest of them and say, okay, I suppose this is just the way it's going to be. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. There is a woman that she understands there's power. The power that gave her the son can raise him again. We heard a wonderful message on Wednesday night by a friend of mine, Nick Godshall. All the way from Pennsylvania was actually we hailed it as a massive victory in every level for the Cork Church to be able to do a live service here, bring in a live speaker from 5,000 miles away and have him address us. It was awesome, not just technologically, thank you Pastor Steve and the team, but also the word that came through because he talked about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And so this woman, she saddles that donkey, man, she, is, she knows time is of the essence. No time to dilly-dally. 
Oh, I'm telling you, I'm running into the prayer place. I'm running into the presence of God. I'm not going to lay my burdens at someone else's feet. You know what happens today? We lay our burdens in the wrong places. She teaches us how to lay the burden at the right place. We burden all the wrong people. We complain about all the wrong things. We expel all our energy and miss the one that can actually change everything. She goes directly to the man of God herself. I love it, friends. There's something very, this woman is convinced. See, she was convinced years ago when she invited him into her house. I want to tell you what Christian who invited Jesus Christ into their house years ago, out of true conviction, is always convinced that there's only one answer to the dilemma. It's back to Christ. It's back to God. Amen. It's back to that spiritual walk. The answers must come from heaven. The earth has no answers. The sky is our brass, but heaven is open to us. And she goes, and from a distance, the prophet sees her. He's troubled. obviously in the spirit. And he says to Gehesi, I says, better run to that woman. I see the shaman, that woman. She looks disturbed. Find out what's happening. And he goes there and he questions her. And you know, what a step of faith. Is everything okay, ma'am? Everything is fine. What? Oh, everything is going to be okay once I can just touch the throne of grace. Everything is okay. What a perseverance of faith. Everything is going to be okay if I can just touch the hem of his garment. What a st- I want to tell you, Andy, and they're sitting right in front of me, but that is a statement of faith. How are you? Is everything okay? Everything is fine. Her son is dead. But she has a conviction that if I touch God today, that God could raise him up again. That's a woman that never wavered in her faith, never took it out on other people why she shouldn't grow as a Christian. Why she couldn't grow in her faith? Well, my husband is like this, and you know, my society is like that. And you know, I've done a lot of heavy lifting in my early years in ministry. Now is my time. It was nothing like that in her. That woman was a woman of God from beginning to end. Reminds me of my own mom. I have to be honest with you, mom watching. Because I've just seen that in her life, all her life, all her ministry life. Even though the dead faith of some of her children hasn't stopped her from going to the throne of grace and believe me for restoration. Hallelujah. And so she comes and she falls at the feet of the man of God. He says, tell me what's after happening. She tells him the story. He says to Gehesi, go and take my staff and run and put it on the face of the boy. And he's gone like the wind. But she stops and I love, she says, please, please don't send him another preacher. His dad has been preaching to him all his life. Don't be sending him the cold one-line answers. He needs a touch, Jesus. Hallelujah. Not a Bible verse, friends. A Bible verse just taken some sort of... Sometimes these Bible verses that we use to comfort can be like stones hitting upon us. They're no more comfort than the man in the movie because they're not generated from the life of the Spirit. They're just generated as some sort of lucky dip to go to and throw it at someone and think that we've done our good deed for the day. At least I gave them a verse. Friends, there's conjunctions of verses here. What they need is that touch from God. What they need is that human touch. Don't send him some cold expression of the gospel. His dad has told him, make sure you do your Bible reading, make sure you go to church. Oh, it's not just te- I told him what to do. How many times have I heard that I told him, and therefore I am absolved? No, friends. It's not just telling someone, it's touching someone. It's touching them. It's touching them with compassion. Touching them with love. Touching, so you see, some people are so dead. That no matter what verses you throw at them, they need to have that human touch. They need someone to come alongside them and say, I still love you. You're still mine. You belong to me, I belong to you, and I'm praying for you. And so she begs him, don't go. So he goes. And on his way there, Gehizak comes back and says, hey, it hasn't worked. 
the stone application of just giving him a word hasn't worked. So Elijah goes and he touches this boy, eye to eye, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, hands to hands. And they, the warmth of that touch from Christ, the warmth of his touch, she knows that's the only thing that can raise this young boy. She knows that's the solution. Listen to me, moms. You need to reform, and I need to reform. The solution is not even education. The solution is not that if I could just get them to third level. All you might be doing is just making them more wealthy for hell. Nothing wrong with third level. Nothing wrong with these plans. But I want to tell you, they need a touch from God first and foremost. This is the testimony of a mom, of a woman of God, a peaceful, mature, graceful woman, a Proverbs 31 woman. You know, the Bible talks about the church being the bride of Christ. And in so many ways, friends, on all of us, this message is poignant because it is, we are that bride of Christ to give the expression of God in this world, friends. We are meant to be the bride of thir Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman. Let me read a few because it's a gorgeous piece of scripture. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife. She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. <coughs> and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good not harm all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. And plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes in, she goes to inspect the field and buys it. Uh, with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong and hardworking. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. Praise God for that. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone is warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known in the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Oh, hallelujah. What dignity, what character, what perspective, what elevation this woman has. When she speaks, her words are wise. And when she gives instructions with kindness, she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtues and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Rewarded her for all she has done. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Oh, church this morning, who can find a virtuous woman? The virtues of this Shemanite should be the virtue of every Christian. Should be the virtue of the church of Jesus Christ, male or female. For there's not a male nor female, Jew or Gentile, for all are one in Christ. The characteristics that, that explode this testimony off the pages of the Old Testament to our hearts today are the characteristics that should be found in every believer, friends. We are the bride of Christ. 
We are that one that is to reveal that Hebrews 11 talks about women who've received their dead back to life. That has to be the church. Whatever situation you're in, whatever opportunity that presents before you, you serve a God who's the resurrection and the life. You serve a God that you can go to at any time and forsake the gossip chambers of the world and go into the very courts of his presence in time of need, boldly, to receive grace and wisdom and mercy. What a testimony this woman stands. Thousands of years later, we do not know her name, but you will know it one day. You will be announced, she will be announced to you one day when heaven's courts are open to us and we go down to the myriad of angels, ages of the men and mighty men and women of God, the saints of old. And one day we're going to shake our hand and say, you have shown to us how to live as a mother and even as a father and as a Christian. For you knew the secret place is with those who fear the Lord and those who worship him. What a woman of faith. What a woman of courage. What a woman of dignity. What a woman of intercession. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you this morning. We just want to thank you for the moms that give us birth, Lord God. For the moms of Cork Church, for our godly women here, Lord. And for those all around the world that are watching, Lord. And I pray, God, as we have seen here, the characteristics of a woman of God, so we too, Lord God, would reflect the same characteristics for your glory, that we would learn from her, that we would imbibe into us, Lord Jesus, the pattern of successful living, that we would live, Lord Jesus, not for ourselves, but for others. That our intercession would be not for ourselves, but for others, oh God. That, Lord God, our whole life will be an expression, Lord, of, for the glory of God and for the souls of mankind. We want to bless you at this very moment. We want to bless you for every mom, for every son, every daughter, oh God. For every child of this house, oh God, we want to thank you, Lord. Lord, for the wayward ones, Lord, for those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, Lord, that we would lay hold of you for them. And believe, Lord God, you gave us those lives. You put that life in the wombs of our moms and our wives, oh God. And they were brought into this world. Now they're dead, Lord, but we come to a God who's the resurrection and the life. And so we pray and we ask you, God, to be glorified in our lives, oh God, to provoke us, Lord, to a higher living. To, oh God, provoke us to be the true church of Jesus Christ, the true bride, oh God. Receiving our dead back to life, Lord. Believing that our Christ is the resurrection and the life. And Lord, we worship you, Lord, as we sing to you this morning, Lord. Wherever you are this morning, just raise a hallelujah. Begin to thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his goodness to you, for his mercy to you today. Begin to worship him and praise him and thank him. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Come on, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.